Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Just figure you always have something uh, on hand. Um, uh, this so was part of what's, what's plan what's all along. What's it today, boys? It's you, Cody. Oh, no. You were the cold <laughs> the girl open reading this time. This. <laughs> the girl reading this is the cold open. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, before we actually before we actually discuss the movie, uh, welcome back, Cody. This time he is indeed the Mac. Uh, we, we, you know, I think that should be a good uh, good tradition for us to uphold when somebody has a break for a while. They come back, uh, you know, let's say two more two or more episodes in a row. If you're gone, you get the Mac. Uh, thank you so much, Cody, for for returning. Uh, how was your time away from the pod? It was, uh, you timed it very appropriately as uh, some uptown sirens became, uh, it came screaming down the lane. They tried to sync up with the musical cue, but I think they just missed it by um, a couple of seconds. I was, it was good. A um, lot of, lot of great moments from, from my time <laughs> abroad um, and also very busy. I'm still trying to get back on a good sleep schedule, but, um, but most importantly, I'm, I'm, I'm here. To, to talk about, uh, in this case, a great film with Ooh. you all. Not to tip my hand too much. Careful. But, wow, yeah, yeah spoilers. Yeah, careful there. All uh, the I don't even know what movie listeners. we're talking about. I just have a feeling it's great. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling it's great, too. So glad you're back. Um, we, are, we, too, are, are tired and busy over here at Trilove, literal roundtable podcast. But movies we saw are people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. My name is Jason Daphnis. Don't you worry about the government. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I don't eat burnt meat. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Blue Sky at Cody Narvison. There's a reason they say I have shaman eyes. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Punish Take. Uh, it, is that, for a moment, I thought that was a Naruto thing. Was that shaman eyes? I no, that's Shinigami eyes. That oh. is what that would be, but um, shaman eyes are the eyes that the main character has that helps him ferret out ah, yes. people's true intentions. <laughs> Another completely useless, uh, defunct, facile thing. Uh, uh, you'll notice one voice is missing. It's that guy. He's not here. Uh, so I must take up the mantle. Um, I should say before we do that, you can check this film out as part of the, uh, I believe it's the Near Noir, yeah, 15th uh, Film Noir Festival, fest- 15th Annual Film Festival. Noir for, uh, Festival, TBH, um, at the Trilon, uh, focusing on Neo Noir. There's a whole bunch of films starting uh late december 2023 continuing through it looks like february gee there's a lot here um so check it out at trilon.org it's one of the main uh thingies by the time that this episode comes out you'll still have plenty of time to get your tickets so check that out um but in the absence of our uh, one aaron grossman i need to under exclusive license from ag enterprises limited i need to start the patented aaron grossman summary yes indeed folks uh, in 19, sorry, today's film is going to be Memories of Murder, a 2003 film directed by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, in 1986, a detective in Hwaesong uh, in rural Korea investigate a string of violent murders of young women. With few leads, a detective is dispatched from Seoul to apply a more scientific by-the-book approach. Uh, over the course of the investigation, the different approaches fail to make meaningful headway as the murders continue. 
This movie was based uh, on Korea's first confirmed serial murders in the 1980s, a first series of actual uh, confirmed serial murders, and it was made before the real-life culprit was identified in 2019. Uh, I remember when that happened because it was kind of a wild t- – it was like maybe a year before I watched, first watched this movie. Um, it is widely considered one of the best thrillers ever made and is the movie that propelled Bong Joon-ho to international acclaim, his second, I believe, uh, feature directed, and one of the best Korean films of all time. Uh, it was Wait, this is really his second movie? I think so. Barking Dogs Never Bite was the first yeah, one. Yeah, which about that, he has disowned, basically. <laughs> Ooh, that's a shame. It's not even that bad. I haven't. Um, that's like the only Bong Joon-ho I still haven't seen. But It's not I've even that bad. Right. Like, like a barking dog that never bites? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Consider. Bow wow. Bow wow wow. Uh, yippee-yo, yippee-yay. Bow wow, yippee-yo. Um, I was, you know, background here, I first watched this movie, it must have been early 2020, I believe, like pre-pandemic maybe or yeah i was actually yeah and forgive me if i'm mischaracterizing i want to say the first time y'all watched it and i think the second time i watched it was around the start of the pandemic i like access for this movie stateside was super sparse like it was difficult to to find this movie um neon had acquired this movie uh i think prior to the start of the pandemic and they had a a release plan where they were going to like show uh maybe like some restoration in theaters before it eventually became accessible through the criterion collection and physical media now it's commonly available through like the normal renting streaming services but there was uh like a pretty good quality download that i had come up upon and it was like within 30 minutes of finding it i was like i gotta watch this fucker right now (laughs) because i've wanted to watch it for so long and then um and then like word got around as it does and it was just like fuck it like let's have a a a streaming party whatever we called those i don't know we got together on live stream when we couldn't get together in person and i i think that was when uh, like the bulk of us uh, saw it for again for the first time or the second time. Um, but let me know, uh, uh, Jason. Does that kind of like match I, your memory? I, I wanted to bring that in because that, it was something that like yeah. a lot of us had a similar experience with. I want to say that the first time I watched it was I think a friend of the pod, Jenny Ackerson, hosted a bunch of us to watch movies at her place just before the pandemic. That's where I'm remembering it plotted. But we also watched Joint Security Area there. So yeah, uh, we movies, didn't watch Memories of Murder during that wasn't session. The, watch. the movies we watched that day, I remember this because I curated you that curated session. That, yeah. um, it was JSA and then The Happiness of the Katakuris uh-huh. and then Night of the Hunter. That was okay. our, our triple yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was around that same, like it was within uh, like a month or two of that. I yeah, feel like I mean, so appropriately the, so. The milieu of the first few months of 2020 is, uh, it cannot be understated how squishy that whole time feels. Great curation, yeah. BTW Cody. I still think about that sometimes. The uh, the that was a lot of fun. That would be so good, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that was the first time I saw it. And I got to say, like, it was, I guess it would not have been my first Bong Joon-ho movie because I had seen Parasite at the very least, 2019. uh, And I mean, like, it is fun to go back to this movie. I just watched it last night for the pod. It is fun to go back to it because um, seeing where, like, I've seen more Bong Joon-ho since since this movie, since I first watched this movie. seeing like the various breadcrumb trails of his like quote unquote style or sort of the topics he likes to tackle or the way that he likes to tackle them specifically his combination of like uh humor and you know dark uh some really 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 dark subject matter uh is there's no ramp up to it in this movie it is very immediate from the very first scene um to set it up park the main character sung kang ho's character uh is uh headed to one of the crime scenes it's a woman found dead in a ditch literally under concrete in a ditch 
and there are kids just prattling about um and one of them mimics him one of them imitates him and then they make funny faces at each other and boom opening title credits just this really fucking like my notes just say like oh we're right into it you know like there was no establishment there's no um there's no establishing of characters there's no like uh really strong scene setting it's just all very immediate and all very i guess like uh here we go like this is the tone we're going to set and I don't know how you could watch that scene and sort of think they find the killer. <laughs> I, I can't imagine watching this movie and having hope uh, from the very first scene, but um, it was a delight to rewatch because it does make you uh, it, like, if I hadn't seen it before, I'm still sure, certain that I would have felt there's, there's no hope here. There's no like true um, uh, like from the very first scene setting, like taste of the movie there's not a whole lot of expectation that things will go well, that it's going to play like any typical thriller would. Um, but I guess before I go any further, uh, I want to get Harry's take on his second, third watch of this movie. Yeah, this is my second watch. I watched it with Charlie this time, and I really recommend watching it with somebody in person if you can. It's really fun for that. We had a really good discussion afterward, and she gave me some notes that I'll rattle off. She has some pretty good insights uh, into this movie, but she didn't want to be on this episode. So there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've always really liked this movie. I would, I think I consider it, um, and who who knows, this is relative to change like the wind, but my third favorite Bong Joon-ho after Parasite and Mother. Um, I think the only thing that stops it from getting a little bit further is a weakness on my own part, which... Uh, um, was very interesting to return to. I often feel like I'm not quite equal to this movie in terms of my understanding of Korean history and society, especially in the 1980s. I, this movie feels like, I think a lot of people compare it to Zodiac. Um, I would say that even compared to Zodiac, it's like so much more explicitly a political project. It's a project that is like very deeply concerned with the sociology and psychology of the Korean people of South Korea as a nation, as it enters sort of a modern era, um, as it sort of self-determines and self-discovers. I feel like I know marginally more about Korean history and certainly more about Bong Joon-ho than I did the first time I saw this movie. I still don't know enough. Um, But so that, that is just to say a lot of my takes are somewhat speculative, right? Because like, I think I can, um, parse this movie for a lot of meaning and a lot of symbolism, including a lot of symbolism that has to do with what Bong Joon-ho is saying about what this case did to the Korean psyche and what it sort of revealed um, about the course that the country was taking. But again, um, that is just to say, like, I am not only not an expert, but not even a neophyte, right? I'm kind of an ignoramus. With this as in all things, so that's just one disclaimer. Um, that that being said, um, this movie does a fabulous job, I think, of uh, balancing what I think is a very trenchant, very pointed, and very um, stylistically and characteristically angry uh, movie with like unbelievably good like thriller instincts, unbelievably assured um, filmmaking techniques. It's unbelievable that this was a sophomore feature. Um, because it competes with, again, like Zodiac or any other crime thriller you've ever seen, just like beat for beat, punch for punch, um, except that it cost a lot less to make. And it was made by um, a Korean guy who had one other film under his belt at the time. Um, and so it's just like a spectacular feat, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, but I definitely think that the real um, 
the, the, the really amazing thing here is how Bong Joon-ho, even this early in his career, was so explicitly a political uh, firebrand of a filmmaker. I mean, I don't know how you watch this movie and you don't think like, oh, this is a guy who is like deeply interested in and concerned with like the body politic, both in Korea and sort of internationally, um, and how it affects uh, the way that we interact with one another. Um, and I find that just fascinating. And it's been so fun to like watch that develop throughout his career. And I think that like, it's just amazing that like we got such a, like laser guided thesis statement from him this early. I agree. I was going to say, uh, you know, you ended up coming around to it, but like in direct contrast to how I guess impenetrable or rather like how you much you need to know about uh, Korean culture in the eighties and previous, like what led up to this movie uh, and, you know, the socio political movements that are depicted in cases in this movie. Um, there is just an intense watchability to it. Uh, I know that I say that about a lot of movies where like, I don't really quite understand everything that's going on or the context, but in this case it is, it makes like, it's very universally understand, understandable, like, right. Um, like, well, and, and like I said, um, that, I don't want to say unapproachability because that's not true, but like sure. the, the, the idea that I don't fully understand the, the political message that's happening here, mm -hmm. that's a problem for me because I want to. It's not a problem right, right. for me engaging with this movie. Like this, this movie is sort of a perfect piece of entertainment in a lot of ways um, right. that does not need to – your enjoyment does not need to be um, like – dependent on your understanding of the politics and the themes. Mm -hmm. I just want to do that because I am who I am, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, there's, there's, there's just like a universally understandable, uh, like once you stratify it from the main plot going on to like the world around it uh, and the peaks we get at it throughout the movie, like it is intimated through dialogue and through character, but also like literally on screen on more than one occasion. Uh, there's the, this separation between what we're doing, you know, the killer that we're trying to catch and the sort of terror that, that this person is, is wreaking on a small town in, in Korea on a small village. And also like the sort of like systems of power and structures that sort of, um, I won't, I won't say nullify that, but sort of make it all feel somewhat meaningless in a way, like make it all feel futile. Um, like it builds this, uh, it goes to great lengths to position, uh, detectives park. And so did we say, um, the big city soul detective, uh, the, it goes to great lengths to like compare and contrast them as, uh, alternative approaches to us, to the same problem. And, you know, we expect, or at least maybe in, in my first time, there was, um, sort of this expectation that we would have some compromise, some common ground for them to, right. to reach like the, by the book, scientifically minded, uh, very like in, insightful Sherlock type. And the guy who, you know, beats feet, gets answers, gets results, doesn't do it the right way, but sort of gets, gets, gets a guy, even if it's not the guy. Uh, and it's just sort of like panning out from that. I mean, this is a bigger statement that I'm sure we'll touch on all of us, but panning out from that, it, it sort of implicates larger like it 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 doesn't end up really mattering either of their approaches um they spoiler related they, they don't catch the guy uh they think they get close but they have nothing concrete they really do subvert the buddy cop it are yeah quite I mean, a bit in this movie yeah like there's this comfort and pacing and clear such clear lines delineated between them they have their own like i won't call it a heart to heart but when they're drunk at the club um and they're sort of talking about their different approaches and song or park is explaining his you know you can d investigate on your feet that kind of thing uh it's like it is building from such established 
structure, maybe not trope, but structure. Um, and then like it throughout it, it assails with like imagery of the state focused on like defeating its people and of not really caring generally what's going on. Like the, the first series of confirmed serial murders in Korea in history, uh, or at least in recorded history was like not that big a deal for the government because they were, you know, pr- uh, suppressing student protests and, uh, you know, preparing for bomb drills and like all these other very large scale international conflict type uh, initiatives that are sort of taking over in the cultural consciousness and just buried within that one little tiny gem of Korean uh, life in, in that time was, oh yeah, there's somebody like raping and murdering young women in this town. Uh, and it's like, it's focused so closely on that uh, diamond of a story to that, like it, it keeps hinting at the larger picture here, uh, but like never really making that the point until we can probably get to it eventually, but the very end, like it gets, I think it very explicitly and clearly states like there was a certain pointlessness to this all. Uh, There was never really like support or uh, like something to build toward. There was never a ladder to climb and truth to find sort of thing that never existed. Um, But in the like pieces and parts of the movie, it is very, very compelling to watch. Like you still feel like there's a mystery to be solved. You still maybe don't have hope, but you're very interested in where it's going. Uh, so I will say that like it, it works like Harry was saying that it's not, you know, unapproachable. It's still very, very much so, but it will, um, it, it has like a lot buried in, uh, the sociopolitical climate of, of the time that seems to like be more universally understood. Like, Oh, the government doesn't, truly care about protecting its people it cares about advancing state interests so to speak uh and if you're on that level with it it becomes a lot more dire i guess even than if you're just following the a plot so to speak totally um and i i guess i'll say i'm also coming into this with not a great understanding of uh korean history um a lot of the great nuggets i've picked up about it over the years have come from director bombs bongs films uh go figure Um, everything i know i learned from movies (laughs) yeah also yes um so pretty big shortcoming on my part um that being said um like the the highs of i'm just gonna keep calling him director bong because what else do you call him uh i guess his name but overrated um director bong he is uh we met him in person uh we can call him uh, we're basically uh, best friends dude basically uncle bong um the the highs of his career are very high um and i know we're all like pretty big fans of of parasite here uh on this pod um memories of murder depending on the day today is i think one of those days like i think just edges it out they're both like all timers um i love them both uh, a whole over over parasite for you I think so. Just wow, just, nice. Just, just, just that's barely. awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I feel good about it. Um, a trophy is coming in the mail for me for my accomplishment. Um, but I, I, revisiting this is is such a treat. Um, which is such a weird thing to say about such uh, a dark, perpetually overcast movie. Um, but like Jason was talking about, there is something inherently watchable about it. Um, and this is speaking as somebody who did see, um. Director Bong's first feature, Barking Dogs Never Bite. You know, that has, um, uh, pun intended, that does have the bones of, I think, the, um, like the formal, like the the style that Director Bong uh, eventually, like, comes around to um, mastering over time, including in this movie. Um, like, the bones are there, but Memories of Murder uh, really just uh, is, like, a, a huge leap up. Um, and... Uh, I think the the types of things I took away with it, watching it in you know late 2019, early 2020, when I did and we did, there was something about the intersection of the 
the socio-political climate, the, 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 the policing of it all, um, which uh, was certainly on a lot of our minds in the subsequent months of uh, the first half of 2020 and beyond as well, um, and I guess to this current day, but also like the daily- We live in hell, huh? <laughs> uh, we, we, we certainly, certainly do. Um, we do live in, in a big city, but poignantly, this um, film takes place uh, in a smaller community, which uh, I think we'll get to um, pretty soon here. And I think the- the um, uh, meditation on all of that coming together was just too fascinating, uh, too fascinating for me to not come away loving even, you know, and especially because uh, things, spoilers, you are left pretty unresolved, or I guess resolved in that we don't know what the resolution is. Um, that's extremely important, like, uh, despite it being, you know, I guess, pretty tropey, that is a very 2023, um, you know, eyes looking back way to, to look at things. But um, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I that uh, intersection of all that, I'm sure we'll get into it, really um, carries uh, strongly for me in, in thinking about this movie and, and its legacy. Um but beyond that, you know, even if you're not into all that stuff and, and just want it because uh, or want to watch it and want to love it because it plays very much like Zodiac, which I would agree um, formally, it definitely does. It hits on all those same kind of uh, like, uh, I don't even want to say like slow burn police thriller, um, but, you know, like the, the best sort of you know investigative stories where you're trying to find a killer and you know, the road is winding. There are a lot of different leads, you know, whenever you hit a dead, a dead end, somebody pipes up. I was like, oh, I saw, you know, I heard this thing. I heard this rumor at this school. There's like a person that lives behind there and she's screaming. Like she probably knows just like shit like that always um, kind of you uh, kind of guard railing you along rather. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I'm I'm exhausted thinking <laughs> and talking about this movie already. But um, I don't know. It's it's really beautiful. Harry, would you agree? Is this yeah. beautiful? In a, that's a strange way to put it, but I would agree. It's certainly beautifully shot. Uh, that's for one I'll thing. I'll take that. Um, I think a lot about that first scene and the last scene that that bookend this movie, and in how um, like beautiful and almost like hyper saturated the field of grain and the sky is in that scene, and in how important that those scenes are to understanding this movie. Right. I. Um, I wanted to talk about home, our small towns um, like like you and Jason brought up because that's that's one pretty good example of like, I think this is something that would have been a lot more obvious to Korean audiences than it is to us. But um, yeah, the, the town where this took place, where the murders actually took place, um, Wasong, I believe it's called, is a very, it's a very small town like in inland South Korea. And so it's like really important to this movie story that like, this is like a, in American equivalent, not, not that that's a good way to think about this, but it would be like an Appalachian mining town, right? It's like a like a gypsum mine is like probably the most prominent landmark in this town. Like these are country bumpkins, right? Um, and like it's pretty important to remember that that like this is supposed to be sort of like anywhere South Korea, and except that like it's not right because it's it's becomes this this. Um, town that has a very real charge in Korea to this day in a lot of ways, right? Like this was the first ever serial killer. It's strange and upsetting and kind of nonsensical that a serial killer would come out of a small town like this, right? Like that's not really what what we expected. It's certainly deeply surprising to everybody 
um, in this movie. And I think that like the surprise that a small town could produce a surprise, the surprise and the, the lack of willingness to believe that a small town could produce such a killer is really important to the character arcs in this movie and to uh, what I think Bong Joon-ho is trying to say overall. Um, all of these characters are constantly looking for ways to separate the killer from the the community, from the town, from themselves, maybe most poignantly of all, um, and sort of make him this aberration, right? Th- this alien quality that does not belong in Korea, that doesn't belong in this small town. And um, Bong Joon-ho like, subverts their... Uh, need to do that really masterfully in a lot of different ways, right? Like constantly sort of, I mean, most prominently in the very final scene, obviously, but but throughout this movie, there is this real sense that both of these guys, these two detectives, they are, um, they're trying to sort of isolate and separate this this idea as as aberrant, as something that, that they can cut out. That's something that's not in, endemic to uh, South Korea and to their own lives and their own people. And um, obviously the, the movie has a different opinion about that than they do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and God, my neurons are firing all at once. Um, but like what, I don't, even just you saying that there were like helps remind me of uh, some of the things that like when I first watched this movie um, and coming back around to it again, things that I, I really, um, grappled with and and i i don't think i realized the strength uh of this movie at that time in the first couple viewings being uh or just like how that like how those strengths stem from the fact that this is based in you know a, a small community like this versus somewhere like if we were to have this in seoul like it would be an entirely different movie um probably with entirely different takeaways um the fact that this is so um I don't want to say contained, but you know, it is in the setting that it is uh, allows for this movie. One of this movie's main fascinations to be not just, you know, like who is this, who is this, uh, who's the killer in uh, a town where the population is so finite and like, it could be any of us. Um, like it, it, it could be it, like anybody we're, we're walking past, but the main fascination um, kind of you know, not to you know, harp on like the daily grind of it all, but these two cops, one who is, from this area and then another coming in from the big city and um, not just observing how they go about their jobs differently, but um, how I found myself thinking about it and characterizing it is just like what they're putting their energy towards and like how they are spending their time day to day, like, um, like park for, uh, for song Kang Ho's uh, character park. Like he's the one who is like more or less native to this area. And for him, it is like, it is just a job. It is um, like 40, um, I don't want to say it's like 40 hours a week because he is uh, quite frequently being a, a, a capital C cop, but it is spending a lot of his waking hours putting uh, square pegs and round holes, trying to make things fit just to like resolve things because they're annoyances. They're, they're not eating him up in any other way other than just like, this is my job uh, and I have the power to do so. Uh, whereas, um, uh, so, uh, Kim Sang Kyung's, uh, character, the, the big city boy coming in, um, like approaching his, his job. I don't want to say a little more honorably because he is, uh, indeed a cop, but, um, approaching his job very differently. And, uh, the, the fact that the, the more or less the climax of this movie is the culmination of their arcs and those two's sensibilities kind of meeting in the middle. I don't want to say they've entirely like swapped roles, but there is like, they've both been worn down 
to a certain extent. And there is, I think, this middle plane that they all that or rather that the two of them come to exist on just as this this case has changed them. And um I don't the uh like the the imagery and and the scale of it uh, of it all like things being obscured um yeah I think you invoked like the the reed fields uh, of just like that imagery it very much made me think of um Twilight uh, a, a recent episode of just like wooded areas reed fields things like that um being like literal visual manifestations of of mystery and the unknown and there's so much like despite this being a small town there are so many like specifically sad stories out there and it it hit me as um the thing that i invoked earlier with the the crying woman that they eventually go and investigate something about the musical cue that hit when that scene kicked in was just like it got me thinking about how we're opening opening up so many new threads surely not all of these could all like be tethered to the same individual like the same person who's um assaulting and murdering these these women you come to find that you know they're they're either the killer or this is just like an ins- another yet another instance of a really sad existence in this really like beaten down town um and like sure, sure enough she was you know like a former victim of that of that individual of the um the that individual who uh, was indeed going around as assaulting and killing people but um yeah it's just like a, a sea of sad shit out there um and for some reason sitting in that griminess um through director bong's um, you know, uh, a way of communicating these, I, I don't know, it's, uh, despite all odds, it is like extremely watchable. And um, I don't know, it's, uh, I'm gonna go back to the word beautiful, because I never know how to to end these yeah. things or, or hand them off. Or Jason, are you next? It, that was as good a way to hand it off. <laughs> Jason, are you next? Uh, if you weren't, go ahead. <laughs> I think that you. I think that you were the next one. Um, no, I, I, I was gonna springboard off of something that you said. Uh, like, the sort of shitty sadness of it all being like, boy, that's so very specific. There's very specific, very, very specific like sadnesses and, um, and, and stories in this movie. But like, I hadn't really thought about this before you guys started bringing up small towns and the village that this is set in, uh, and specifically the time, like the technology that exists and, you know, wh- how they're exposed to, it sort of gives, the characters an excuse to not be as concerned with the outside world, with the larger national context. Um, because like watching this movie, you would not have thought based on the first few instances of watching park and his, uh, drop kicking partner, uh, go about what they do. You would not assume that like, this is the first time a serial murderer has struck in an entire country in, in, in the whole nation. Like they are very cavalier about it. They're very just like business as usual. So there's this sense that they're, sort of detached from the larger national, we won't say discourse, but the larger national like picture of what's going on, uh, which like is very much served by setting it in a small town. They're bottled. We're very focused on that very tight, tense narrative. But at the same time, we get these tiny little peaks, mostly for the audience, but also for, for the characters, tiny little peaks through the TV at, uh, and I wasn't exactly certain where the plot element of this came in, but somebody called named detective moon is being, uh, apparently like investigated or charged. Uh, that's when, uh, parks partner throws a bottle through the TV and starts a fight in the bar as Quang Ho's running away. Um, there's something on the national stage that's bothering him there. There's uh, a few protests that are shut down. There are constant air raid sirens that are going on, like little peaks that the audience gets that the characters, at least the ones who are naturalized to this community, to this village, don't necessarily have. They don't have the or they're not they don't need, we'll say, the context, the insight of what's going on on a national stage in order for this story to work. 
the um, almost exclusively the audience is given that except with the exception of the detective who comes from soul who brings like sort of a uh again like that sherlock that very logic and reason and focus and whatever he's the like, fbi right pretty like much in, in the american version of this he's like the fbi guy and he joins yeah. the local cops and the local cops are like we don't need some fed sniffing around someplace he doesn't understand right I mean, that's exactly their dynamic right Right. And it's not like proven one is wrong or the other is right. It's sort of like we're all sort of toiling under the same stupid system that won't really like doesn't really benefit uh, either of our approaches uh, and kind of leaves us all completely with our dicks in our hands about it. Um, but it just like seeing that big picture as the audience while being focused on the problems of this small town and the lens through which we're seeing it primarily being park uh, is just like it drives home, at least for me as an audience member, how much more pointless and uh, it, like it all is, but also making it feel like, oh, we're actually focused on a, on a very tightly, like a very dense narrative, like you're saying, packed with very sad stories of, of people who like they are essential to this movie. Are they essential to the story? Are they essential to the investigation? Not always, but they are like, it, it is still very, it feels very meaningful in that way. So there's this like conflict, this uh, dichotomy at the heart of it for me, where it's like, it all feels so pointless when, you know, national unrest is leading to uh, teenagers being shot in the street. And also this could not be more important because detective park needs to learn his lesson about, you know, sort of the truth and justice and de uh, detective. So needs to learn about what it's like to be in these small communities. Everything just feels both so important and so incredibly like meaningless and pointless at the same time. It's a very strange experience as an audience member that again, cannot stress enough goes down very smoothly as a thriller. Um, I, I don't know if that leads into what you were going to say. Sure, here, but I yeah. just, I'd love that you guys picked that scab of small towns. Cause it made me think about the scope and scale of the story. Uh, um, well, it, Pick and it, it's really interesting, right? Because like, I think Bong Joon-ho does a lot with the narrative and the characterization and even the shooting to make it very clear what, what would have already been clear to anybody in Korea watching this movie, which is that this is very clearly this town is a stand in for the heart of South Korea, right? It's, it's microcosmic. Everything that's happening here is indicative of something else. Um, it, it's, the tension is fascinating because I think the fact that we know that and the movie knows that makes it very obvious that Park is running from that. And in fact, everybody in this town is afraid mm. of the context of the outside, which is it informs mm. what they talked about before where or what I talked about before, where I characterize both of these men's approach to crime fighting as um almost surgical. They see crime. They see people who act out crimes as aberrations to their community, not endemic, and they cut them out. I mean, Park Park rolls around this small town with all the swagger of like an American sheriff, right? He's very much the, he knows everybody in town. He's lived there his whole life. He is sort of a sheriff problem solver. And what is it, the first thing that he does when he uh, wants to solve this problem or wants to make this problem go away is he finds a vulnerable member of the community to cut out of the community to blame on so that they can get this out of the way and say like, no, look, we don't have to worry about this anymore. This was just this mentally challenged person who doesn't belong here anyway. Uh, sad story, yada, yada, but not not something that we have to not something that is existential to our community. Right. Um the FBI guy in his own way is doing the same thing. He's Mr. Documents Don't Lie. He's Mr. Like, we can find and sort out anything um, and just sort of like case closed, put it away without having to reckon with where this uh, criminality came from, where it's leading us, 
what it's done to us. Um, I think that this movie sets those characters in that place um, in order to to demonstrate just how incorrect they were and maybe how naive uh, their mentalities as a microcosm for the South Korean mentality ultimately mm-hmm. were. Um, and I think that like, like you had said, it's really interesting the ways that, um, this, this movie, it's ostensibly about a, a murder, um, investigation, but that's really just a framing device, right? Like we get a lot more than that. This movie is, is two hours long. Um, we get to know this town very well. We get to meet a lot of people in this town. We get to see a lot of what makes these people tick about what they care about, what they're hiding from, what they're afraid of. Um, that it, it demonstrates in my mind, uh, Bong Joon-ho is, is demonstrating the the like total futility of the idea that that this call wasn't coming from inside the house, that there wasn't already a rot at the heart of what's going on here, that, that modernity is not, in fact, leaking slowly into uh, this South Korean small town, but in fact, it's revealing something that was always there, an undercurrent that had always been affecting and infecting um, the, the community here. And uh, it's it's that reveal is is demonstrating just how um powerless these sort of like authorities um as they were uh dem- like sort of symbolized by park ultimately are to understand or stop something like this right like like park's eyes aren't working he can't actually tell murderers apart from normal people because it turns out that in in his culture um it's not it's not easy because a lot of us have the sort of impulses that that could make for murderers right and you know i like charlie um did a really good characterization of um park's partner the dropkicker because she thought he was the culprit for a lot of this movie because he so clearly demonstrated so many elements he's obsessed with sex he's obsessed with younger women he talks constantly and almost like reflexively about college age korean students who go off to college to have sex so obviously there's some class underpinnings there but um he is openly misogynistic at multiple points he ends up striking a woman in a bar and that's what instigates a brawl that that makes him lose ultimately his uh drop kicking leg but he isn't set up to be the culprit, right? So much as it's just to demonstrate kind of like uh, if you've seen the show, the fall, how like it's so hard to find a male serial killer because so many males could be serial killers, right? Like it turns out that the culture that is endemic to South Korea at this time is so flagrantly misogynistic is so like patriarchal is so domineering that so many of these people could be the murderer. And it just took something like this to get you to see it. Right. And so it's like, it, this is not, this is not an aberration. This killer is not something that is, that is strange. It is a direct product of our culture and our history and our people. Right. Um, it's, it's really fascinating the way that, um, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but this is something else Charlie, um, found and, and showed me that I, that totally escaped me the first two times I saw this movie, which is that, um, the serial killer only attacks women in red, right? This is this is very important to his MO. That's not true to the story. That's not actually um but uh the killing and raping of women in red would have been a very loaded symbol in South Korea when this movie was made because of the Wangju massacre, um, which was in nineteen eighty, where a bunch of student protesters were essentially mowed, mowed down and in many cases sexually assaulted by the South Korean government forces uh, who were cracking down on student demonstrations. It 
particularly women student protesters were they bore the brunt of this to the point where like a woman wearing red and being brutalized by a government official is like a very charged symbol. Um, it's also worth noting that the third culprit, the the gypsum manager, um, is from Wangju. They actually say that explicitly and had recently come to this town from Wangju, which means he would have been witness to the massacre, which might be uh, the the article I read even went as far as to say that's evidence that maybe he was, in fact, the killer. I don't know if I would take it that far. I think it just goes to show that, like, look, man, like the same people are getting killed, right? Literally, like like the same disenfranchised, vulnerable members of society are being killed by serial killers as are being killed by our own government. And they're being killed for the same reasons, right? They're being and the reasons are not so different from the reason why Park wants to, for instance, catch this person and or just finger somebody and uh, get it out of the way, right? It's this hiding from uh, or this unwillingness to engage with uh, this this larger society and what's happening there. Um, this, this sort of reflexive urge to destroy rather than uh, incorporate or understand. Um, and I, I think that the, the movie does a really good job of using the murder as this basically like a little frame story to explore something much larger that's happening um, within the story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And kicking off of the, uh, the small town of it all to propel us maybe towards, uh, hopefully it's not too soon, but like the, the, I don't want to say the the last couple scenes of this movie, um, the, uh, throughout the story, um, a few characters, I think most notably, um, Park and his, uh, his lady friend who I do not, whose name I do not have, uh, offhand, but, um, like they talk about, uh, getting, you know, get the desire to get out. Um, they're far from the only ones to kind of express that need. Um, but it is something that they talk about in their handful of scenes together, um, which are really good scenes. This movie is full of really good scenes, but um, you thinking about like, how, like how do you move on from something like this and how, um, and how, how do you move on from a case like this? And also how do you escape from your, uh, your small town uh, period? Quack uh, so young. Uh, thank you, Harry, for looking that up while I vamped and babbled nonsense in the meantime. Um, but no, uh, kind of propelling us towards the end park is is out of it like park and um so have uh like a, a confrontation with uh, a suspect who they really really think is it but the um i think like the semen results come back from the united states and uh the boneheads in america are like hey, sorry boys no dice um that's what Which, he said in the document again worth noting in the actual uh case they sent it to japan for forensic analysis not America. Mm, so yeah. another choice with the capital yeah. C by Bong Joon Ho there. Some <sighs> big implications on that one. God, Uncle Bong, you son of a um, Bong Joon Ho, which... who, who clearly has nothing to say about uh, American um, society and culture based on the rest of his filmography. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, it uh, really makes you think. Um, but our last couple scenes show Park. In a more domesticated scenario, he's like a traveling salesman type role. There's a scene with him at like the breakfast table with uh, his wife and a couple of kids. Just like, oh, you're staying up playing video games, which uh, got a big laugh out of me. Who would spend so much time play playing video games? That's um, kind of silly and ridiculous. Um, Teehee. But uh, the the last, last, I guess, stretch of this is um, Park 
uh, in, I can't remember if he asked, asked his driver to, to stop. He's like on the phone in the back of the van. And then he eventually pulls over to, um, it kind of bookends the movie from where we started, uh, the location of one of the bodies that was found, um, initially. And he like looks back under the bridge, has a conversation with, uh, with a little girl and it's a, a really like amazing, scene um i think one of the best the scenes time. ever man yeah, i think it's like it's, maybe the best last scene in a movie it's up there for me yeah uh it's 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 so good and it's um you know it's it's it shows park dipping his toes back and i'm just trying to like rope in together all the subtext that we've been talking about but like it's him like daring to dip his toes back into the water um you know he's someone who spent his his time and his days chugging away at a you know an enter a, a working a, a means of work a means of getting money a, a job that he did not particularly care all that much for was not like truly invested in he's not invested in the job he's in right now either but he has a family he's like he he got out right like he's not that person anymore or so he thinks and he and he 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 goes back he he goes back to the scene of of where one of those bodies was found and little girl, you know, drops just all it takes is like a really a couple like lines from her, a short series of questioning. And, you know, there's, um, you know, they haven't forget the exact, um, I should, I think I have the quotes written down somewhere, but basically just like they never found him and they said he looks like just ordinary. Maybe there was a recent killing and he park, you know, he pauses for a moment, looks right at the camera um, and it's like, I, I think the, on the surface reading, you know, is, is obviously like, it's a great note to go out on because it's like, that's one of the motifs. That's his thing, right. Is, you know, reading people look into my eyes. I know who you, who you are just from looking at it. No other, without any other sort of context about where you maybe grew up, the types, you know, the crimes you've committed, the things that you've done, I can look into your eyes and I can, I can read you. Um, but like thinking about the, the under. Uh, the undercurrent of like where, where he came from and where like where he spent so many of his years hold up just trying to, to get by. It's, it's almost like a, like a, a I don't like a sympathetic fingers being pointed um, as it was like, you know, there's, you know, we're looking where we have a, a fundamental understanding of, of, you know, like somebody, somebody was killing people and assaulting people. And like, there was a systemic reason for it um, on, on some level. And it's just like a really, God, it's, it's a harrowing note to go out on, but it's, it's, I don't know the, I, I can't tell who's next, but like, I don't know. Does that, how does that sing for y'all? Cause I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with the words. It's just like, like, like an amazing note to go out on. Um, but like, what, what am I missing here? If not uh, yeah. like the final notes, like the way the, the movie wraps up, I, I know Jason, you wanted to get to the ending eventually. I don't know that you're missing anything. I like, there is, I feel like a fool for not realizing, Oh, he's been talking about his eyes and his ability to judge immediately and see into the soul and all that kind of stuff His shame and eyes. And then he's looking at me. He's looking at the audience. He's looking through the camera, that kind of thing. Like, I, I kind of feel like a fool for not like putting that two and two together. Uh, more that he was like, you know, implicating <laughs> the person. They, they could be out there, you know, like uh, broadly. But again, this movie was made before the uh, killer was actually found in real life, before the culprit was supposedly, I, I guess, a confession and, um, and uh, like empirical data. Anyway, uh, point being, I love that you brought it up, though, because. I've I noticed that whenever he's asked to prove his like his sh shaman eyes in the movie, we don't see him actually doing it. We don't see him making a like a. Tro it says a lot about the character. I think that like 
when he's first asked to prove it by his, I think it's like his police chief or whatever. Um, he says, okay, there are two guys over there. One of them is a rapist and the other is the brother of the woman he assaulted, uh, which is which. And he looked at him for a second and you see them. And then the scene cuts. No, no indication of it. I think it happens maybe once more where it's implied that like he's looking into somebody's eyes to try and like suss them out. And we don't see it. We don't see him fail. We don't see him succeed. One time he says, fuck, I don't know. (laughs) Right, right. Like every time that that he's asked to prove it, he, he, he can't. And like he, he's unable to, I think like that ending in particular is such a smart and impactful and yeah, like a gut punch fucking way to, 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 to deploy that, to like drive that home. Um, because like he is at that ditch, uh, to sort of like reminisce. He's, uh, um, he's, he's there in the same exact way when the girl says like, there was another guy who came and did actually exactly what you're doing. And he said that he was there to think about that time and to think about something that he did there exactly like you. And then, the, you know, he looks at the camera. He's kind of looking at himself. He's kind of looking at everybody. He's looking at me um, because he has like, he's been equated with the thing that like Harry was saying, how it's like, this wasn't an other in the community. This was a born bred, presumably person of that, of that place. He was endemic to, you know, sort of the rotten heart of this of this world generally of, of the country at the time of like the the he was a product of his space more to say on that in the drunk drawer but um i think it is it goes a long way to characterize the character or excuse me flesh out the character right at the end there uh because he has spent the whole movie like he's not I guess he's not necessarily a, if we, if we're going back to like that stratification I was mentioning earlier between the A plot, which is the investigation and the like broader context, the political and, uh, you know, social unrest that's going on in the country at large. He knows he's not like a victim of that. Uh, he, he, he's like, he's not, but he also doesn't, he doesn't see himself as like a beneficiary of it. He doesn't think that he's a perpetrator, like he's on the bad guy's side or whatever. He is just taking all of these things that he's doing as completely normal and not realizing that the guy next to him, literally the murderer rapist is the, is the exact same sees himself as, you know, just a normal guy, just part of the community did like maybe not to get too like psychological profiling, but like he's, he's presumably not seeing himself as like different from most others he's he's just part of like the context that he's in uh he was shaped by his space etc and i think that at the very end that's when park is coming to the same realization about himself that you know he could be he could for all that girl knew he could have been the murderer like park could have been the murderer because he's acting the exact same he's doing the exact same thing it is uh the ending is like really it ties all those things together in such like a vine boom sound effect moment that I like, I really didn't know how to take it the first time I saw it because it's just very stark. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, but the more and more we talk about it, the more and more like pieces I'm putting together to like, be able to look at this, at this very quick ending, uh, you know, 17 years after the movie, the events of the movie proper. Um, and just considering how little has changed between those two moments, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I agree. The, the ending is where for me, the big themes of this movie really come together. Um, and also the nuance, right? Like I find this to be so sympathetic in its indictment that it really, which is, I think why it's so important to me personally to read this as like a movie that is really deeply engaged with Korean politics, both in of the 1980s and of now, right? It's like, why return to this case now? in 2003, right? Like why, why name the movie memories of murder as opposed to something else? Like why, 
Why uh, stick your hand back into the open wound that this that this case represents to to South Korea? Right, like Bong Joon Ho when he when he first um, screened this movie, he said that they were very careful that they never shot in the actual town where the crimes occurred, and they they also had to be very very um, cognizant of the fact that there were still literally the families of victims around who would see this movie, and that very like deeply informed how he approached making this movie. Um, and I think Park is a great representation of this sort of like, what I would call it, it's a weird way to, to frame it, I guess, but like almost a nationalist swagger, right? Or like a reactionary conservative confidence, right? Where Park is this sheriff. He is this this reactionary symbol of authority in Korea. He is confident. He knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He's pretty sure he can solve anything, right? Uh, he's pretty sure that, the reason he can solve anything is because he just understands his people. He understands his country. He says at one point, Korea is such a small country, you can walk around it uh, and you can look into the eyes of every man, woman, and child who lives there and you can just figure these things out. Um, I think that that Korea, both at this time and maybe the time when Bong Joon-ho was uh, making it, it, I think Bong Joon-ho had something to say about that, right? About this sort of like, this idea that that nationalism is a comforting illusion, right? That this idea that that crime within South Korea is aberrant is something that is uh, pro- projected from the outside in, um, and something that can't grow in a place like Korea. I think it's like he he is taking this this utterly famous, tr- like nationally traumatic example. In order to remind us all that um, that our our culture is capable of creating this, and what and that that requires us to remember uh, that fact, and it requires us to re-examine what we think we know about each other, about our country, about our history, right? And I I think that that's I think that that's why it was so important to him to make it real, right? To to make it based on a real story to make it uh, cleave so closely to something that is so nationally traumatic is that I think Bong Joon-ho was, was really interested in sympathizing with national trauma and also in excavating a meaning from that trauma that could make for um, a better lesson to be learned. And the lesson to me seems to be, don't think that this was an isolated incident, right? Don't, right, right. don't delude yourself into thinking that a South Korean serial killer is not an existential indictment of South Korea as a whole, because it is because the call was coming from inside the house. We created this, our culture created it. Um, and that same culture is still here. It's still present. It's still defining and guiding um, the history of our development. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this movie's international success. And the fact that Bong Joon-ho, like his international career arguably was launched with this movie is because it is like even blown outside of very specific South Korean cultural context. It is saying to me in 2023, don't think that, you know, the aberrations of, um, you know, malfeasance in your in wherever you are in your life are not are you know are separate from you and your context like the context you were brought up in is where so many people were brought up and you are shaped by your place uh you are like every bit a part of where you were born and grew up uh as you are the places that you've been and the things you've done i think that's like 
it makes it ring a little bit like more universal as well. I, I guess that's the like these dichotomies, these frictions at the heart of the of the uh, movie is like oh this this uh, darkness and this comedy, this uh, logic and this feeling, this uh, specificity and universality that are just balanced in such a like really really tense way that even more than the moment to moment watching from over a murderer's shoulder as he stalks a woman in the night like adds this persistent feeling of discomfort and like uh, and 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 ease that that really drives uh, like i think both thematically uh that broader idea those broader conflicts uh but the like also the very specific like the actual plot the 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 um so i won't say salaciousness but like that's the only word that's coming to mind the very like uh, something pulp about how easy it is to follow that that story that uh, you know good guys trying to catch the bad guys story before it makes you think it's not quite that anymore you know yeah well one more point on the universality as you described it because i really like that and that's just that i think this movie slots into like a lot of movies um that that have garnered so much acclaim it's like really a commentary on modernism um i'm kind of glad aaron isn't here because this is one of our more famous debates right especially with like yee yee and etc but but like i i think that this movie is is fundamentally sort of about um korea south korea entering the modern era in kind of the darkest possible way right like this idea of exploring like oh like wow it's the end of an era right now south korea has its own serial killer now um we have been connected in this terrible way to like this international horror that has been unfolding and um i think what's important to to note about this movie and and what bong joon ho does such a good job of illustrating is uh and and what I've always loved about modernity as it's explored is so often uh, globalization and interconnectedness, it reveals things that had always been there rather than introducing new uh, existential problems, which it also does. It also sort of like demonstrates, you know, that um, as the world grows more interconnected, it you come to see in a new light. Um, elements of your own background and your own person that had always been there that maybe you didn't recognize before, right? So, like, instead of this movie saying, um, you know, serial killers are a product of modern Korea because of modern Korea, uh, it's saying serial killers are a product of Korea because of Korea, right? And the fact that now they're happening is not necessarily does not necessarily mean that they weren't happening before, they couldn't happen before, but just that now we can, we have the vocabulary to see them and start to understand them, though we're still trying to figure out exactly what it means for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, the uh, adage of um, the call coming from inside the house was apt, I think. Also, a great callback to a previous episode of Black Christmas that Cody and I recorded with Matt Yost. Uh, just a little plug for the podcast you're already listening to. Um, Yo, I, that reminds me, I got unrelated to Memories of Murder, but related to Black Christmas, I got a, a text from my dad the other day. He was like, hey, you heard a lot of good things about this movie. I know it's on your holiday watch list. You want to watch Black Christmas when you come home for the holidays? Yikes. And I was like, yes! obviously <laughs> oh you're um, you're into that you're gonna be you're gonna watch oh, it and oh, okay yeah. i feel oh, like absolutely. if my dad asked me about black christmas i'd be like that might be a little much for you dad but he's <laughs> he's kind of a sensitive guy when it comes to movies <laughs> oh sure ain't we uh, all 
respect. Uh, also, Bob Clark probably going to get a good shout out this year at the Golden Berries. Just looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for the wonderful discussion points. Um, I'll open up uh, the thing I like to call God, this this interface needs to get better with the, the sound effects, but opening up the junk drawer for uh, our little final uh, discussion points, anything that didn't fit into the broader conversation. I, I want to hand it off to Cody so that he can uh, have a, oh, a, a nice you, little junk drawer. Are you drawer sure? Note. You can go first uh, if you want. I, I'm I, just queuing up. You know what? I abdicate. Wow. Uh, well, I defer. No, just kidding. I'll take it. Um, the I really love the music in this movie um all of it <laughs> um but uh i guess specifically and this was me like booting up my brain revisiting this movie the the other night and just like the opening music uh, like musical cue it's um it's like it's wistful and and somber i mean it is all throughout the movie but i was just thinking man this is like a literal translation of what like the word that what the phrase memories of murder means like there's something oddly reflective about it but just like the sh- the shit that we're remembering is boy is it a bummer um but also like core to our being i don't know just yeah, it's like, like it, poignant and wistful without losing any of its immediacy right totally it, like it yeah. feels it feels both like nostalgic almost and also urgent yes. and propulsive right it's like it, it I don't want to say like it it seems effortless like it's so easily like perfect musical accompaniment to to everything that we see um it's like frustratingly good um but I just wanted to to call that out I don't know like we're pretty touch and go about calling out music obviously when the so- soundtrack rips or like recognizable songs or something I, I feel like we're good about calling it out but in this case the music just like I don't know really really struck me more than it, it usually does um so I I wanted to to do that shout out to music and taro um, irishiro who is the composer ah, japanese composer on this one very good nice um so shout outs what other shout outs do you do you fellas Ooh. have um if i can slip mine in real quick it's a quickie i promise uh feel free to you know kick clip off it if you like but um seeing so much so many fields, so many read fields in this movie made me think about mother. Obviously, uh, Harry's, did you say your second favorite? Yeah. Uh, I really, really fucking like that movie. Love that movie. I think we saw that at the Walker. Is that yep. right? Wonderful screening. Uh, but it made me think about that movie and about even like later on parasite where, uh, occasionally, you know, characters are just standing amid waist high things. Uh, it would be at like, you know, urban decay, or if it's, uh, you know, in, as in this movie, you just reads blowing in the breeze uh, or water. Um, and it made me think about like, that's gotta be a recurring visual motif for Bong Joon-ho. Uh, it, it you know, what, what is he trying to get at there? The thing that I come back to all the time with this, especially in this movie is like, and a lot of our discussion points here have driven it a little bit further is, or a little bit closer, um, is like the idea of individuals as products of their like environment of the places they are like, you know, just you're surrounded by a thing you like many times they're framed such that nothing's really in the background. Nothing's really in the foreground. They're just in a sea of, of reads in this movie. Um, and at the same time, you know, distinct and individual and standing and like active participants in a, in a thing. It's a really like not, not smart, but high concept, so to speak idea where the sort of like visual metaphor at play there is, uh, you know, there's there's a, a context 
and there's an individual placed within it, but they're still individual. They are still like active participants in it um, rather than just like another read. Uh, they are distinct in some ways. They are like maybe even, uh, I know we've sp spoken about how, of how like the story here is the murderer is not an aberration, but in some ways aberrant from it. Uh, but like, I, I just, I'm going to be on the lookout for when I watch more Bong Joon-ho movies of like that visual motif, because it is very, very strong in Mother. Some of the strongest scenes in Mother uh, occur in that. And like most of the most terrible, like spooky things in this movie and Memories of Murder happen in reed fields at night that just, I mean, not to go back to the discussion of the movie, but the scene alone where the woman is this singing is literally herself, my This is my thing, dude. I'll let you take it then. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was no, just please. literally like my big junk drawer thought is, um, first of all, I love the way you characterize that. I think Bong Joon-ho successfully transforms the symbolism of what that reed field means in the most sinister fucking possible Truly. way in this movie. In the first scene, uh, this idyllic music is playing. It looks beautiful. It's like a symbol of like the... the um, the lovely Korean country life, right? Like, like the purity of it. Um, and then one of the most terrifying scenes I've maybe seen in any movie happens, which is where a woman is walking along that wheat field. She's humming to herself. The killer hiding in the wheat field, which is where he does almost all of his, his killing, uh, starts humming along with her, first along with her, and then he starts completing her song so that she can hear him. He starts walking faster. There is a blood curdling shot where she is walking and we see him pop up out of the reeds for a moment before diving back into the reeds like the children of the corn. And then finally, he uh, it's revealed that he was in front of her. Uh, he had somehow gotten around her and gotten in front of her and, and runs up to tackle her. And then, uh, obviously, the reeds take on a very different meaning um, than they were. Instead of being sort of uh, comforting and enclosing and uh, sort of um, even almost a blanket like right it's it's this this thick um like field that that is enclosing the people that's keeping them safe it becomes exactly the opposite right it becomes yeah, something that is in fact for... hiding like evils from you is that's out to get you and so the way that that bong joon ho takes that and reshapes it uh, and, and makes it into a frightening symbol of what we don't know and what is coming for us is is really remarkably effective. Um, my only other drunk drawer thought was another Charlie shout out. She was convinced and made a pretty compelling point that the last murder that we see in this uh, is in fact a copycat because it's a little girl. She's not wearing red. It's not raining. Uh, the things he does to the body are different from what the killer did to the body in other cases. Um, I actually kind of love that too, because I really love the idea that like, even the serial killer wasn't that aberrant, right? Like it was literally just like tools that could be adapted for use by other people, right? So like once, once the, uh, the cat is out of the bag, like this is just a reality of South Korea, right? And, and like the serial killer didn't really do anything, um, aberrant other than introducing the idea into the world. Yeah. Wow. What a good take. I hadn't um, considered that. And one other thing I hadn't considered or more specifically noticed this time was what you mentioned with the head popping out. I saw it during this screening. I hadn't seen it the previous two times, I think because I don't know if it was because like the file we were watching was pretty good quality, um, but maybe just like it didn't come through or my eyes were in a different place. But this was my first time registering that head popping up in the background. And you're right. It is absolutely it's the fucking worse, dude. Yeah. God damn, like I was 
thought I was prepared for this movie, and then um, Charlie yeah. and I got to that scene, and Charlie was like so uncomfortable, and I was like, yeah, I forgot that this scene is really brutal. It's it's yeah. truly horrendous. I watched it with Sky, who was watching it for the first time last night, and yeah, just you could just feel every limb start to cringe mm. as that happened. Um, I feel a little bit bad that I wanted to make that one of my gifts because it is so incredibly effective, but also it's a it was also horrible one of my, thing to uh, it was also on my list. Yeah. Oh my and, God, uh, guys, maybe it is. It um, like, I don't know. Not meant to be, unfortunately, I don't think. <laughs> well, you know, maybe this is like the pissing babies in, uh, in heroic trio get exploded. Maybe it just like we talk about it. Jason, this, uh, can I, uh, maybe you guys are cowards. With this, That's is, what you mean. this is, this is not the, this is not the pissing babies in heroic trio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in trial of lore, it's, it's going to go down in, in history. Um, All well, right, thanks fair. guys. Uh, that was, the junk drawer closing it back up uh i don't have a sound effect for it but yet yeah, but uh, i i know we um we, we everybody loves this bit uh, other loves we've tried we uh, do episodes. jason we like the bit stop it's yeah, a good bit. Like, that's why i'm stop saying stop i'm saying it everybody you do it. it i'm coming hot <laughs> off of getting caught up on listening to the episodes y'all recorded in my absence just just go into it it's it's a good bit it's totally other, good other loves we've tried is a segment where we uh just list out movies that we've covered from the same movie in which this year released or excuse me this movie released same year in which this movie released um we have uh episode 164 tokyo godfathers with seth zarati and we have episode 180 the triplets of belleville with sarah huskin uh both animated movies i wonder what the chances are of that uh but no other movies from 2003 so hey 2003 get on it we should uh, yeah. find also specifically as this segment always does, just kind of breaks my mind that all three of those movies came out the same year. Like, I just, right, I, no. I, they're such different places and like contexts that, wow, the, the, yeah. the breadth of the movies, everyone, you gotta love, love it. Hundreds of people were filming those movies at the same time, but in different places. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's, dude, it's, it's fucking crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, I you hate say, it. You say it mockingly, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm, actually very mm. proud that we somehow covered three different movies from three completely different countries that have entirely different purposes and messages. Like it's, it's a, it's a wonderful little medley, a little, not a nice to pat ourselves on the back too much, but also none of them are in English. So <laughs> there are three different languages and none of them are English. A good fact. Um, that was other loves we've tried. Uh, we have a penultimate segment uh, because we do have a final segment this time, uh, as you've probably noticed. Uh, this time it is good grief. Give me a gif. Uh, I do want to know what you guys think should go out with the episode when it goes out on Twitter as far as imagery. Uh, your selected shot, Harry. Uh, we already talked about one, but you can go off. Yeah, about anyway. I mean, not to be Aaron Grossman about it, but like the scene where he looks at the camera is so good and it would be nah, really the good. The one where there were memories really and murder. Yeah. Uh, so that would be a good one. And then my other one, um, we already talked about my second one. My third one is there's a really spectacular shot um, from inside a train tunnel uh, where the two um, detectives are in silhouette. Um, and there's just sort of a, a bright light that, that makes them shadows. Uh, and they're, they're standing over the, um, would be suspect. Um, that's a really fantastic looking shot and kind of emblematic of the movie as as a whole. I think. Love it, love it, love it, uh, Cody. Uh, also love it. Yeah, this is another one of those scenarios where fucking like close your eyes and stop the movie at a random point. And you'll probably find a, a good ass shot, um, or at least or a good ass drop kick. 
Yeah. Uh, God, there are, there are many of those. Um, that's a good point. None of my picks include the drop kick. Actually, there are, God, there are a lot of candidates. Um, the head popping out of reads and the drop kick were like kind of inner circle contenders. But my two submissions will be, uh, I got to go with this one because it's a shot that I think about weirdly most often from this movie. It is um, one of the tie. It's, it's like a chase scene from roughly the middle of the movie. It is kind of... Um, a situation where Park attempts to leverage, um, you know, like the shamanized, whatever he calls them, but where he's like looking out into the crowd. He, he, he's not like engaging with um, another person, like making direct eye contact, but he, this is him following. Like he, he looks, he finds the perp um, like dressed in black. Um, he sees like the women's underwear that he's, that he's wearing and like picks him out that way. And like they apprehend him. And it's like, so it kind of has a look of like, he's not like, he's not a, impressed necessarily i mean he like he's impressed but he's like starting to see his worth um or something to that effect and it's the slow zoom in of park like taking a drink from a water bottle and like kind of giving side eye uh it's really like funny and just like an excellent capper for that scene again i think about that shot way too often for it to not be in consideration here um but i did i i get i'll formally submit one other picky um i did kick around the idea of doing like the literally the last shot of the movie just because it is so good something inside me makes uh it difficult for me to want to submit like the last shot just because of i don't know like don't worry dog i did it for you i know you did so i'm not gonna add to that but i will pick one one of the final shots of the movie um which is uh it's uh, oh i I, time stamps i'm sorry jason uh like an hour eight is roughly my first one and then um two what does that say I think it's two hours, seven minutes, approximately, um, almost exactly two hours, seven minutes. It's like an extra long shot. It is park talking with that little girl. Um, it's like a pretty static shot, but I think the wind is blowing the reeds, which I think as far as like visual, um, motifs and and imagery that, that we were talking about, um, I think it plays into that really well. And it's just like very sadly beautiful as is uh, a lot of this movie. So those are my (laughs) humble submissions for consideration. God, what a fucking devastating movie this is. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I keep thinking about how just soul squeezingly awful it can be. Um, I do want to mention, uh, you brought up the uh, like scene where Park picks out the perp by Park picks out the perp by looking at his little panties, his his red fluffy underwear. Um, and I don't know about y'all. Like, just as a quick aside, I took that scene to be nobody else knew that he saw the underwear on this guy, and so he thought I'm going to convince them that my shame and eyes work, that I do mm, have this second sight, and I'm going to like say, hey, round them all up and I'll know him by his eyes. So he looks him in the eyes and then so the uh, soul detective sees like, oh, he just identified him by his eyes only. That's what I read that scene to be like. I do yeah. love like the like he knows that he was lying to that, like his ass off to that guy. I, yeah. I love that. Right. And I, I think, right. However you choose to read it, the fact that he did have the like levels of observe, like skillful observation to pick that individual out, like lends him mm-hmm. to be some level of impressed. Um, but yeah, like mileage right. may vary depending on, on how you see it. But no, I, I think your reading of that totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, in one case he like, he's very observant and he's lying about having like superpowers. And in one case he's very observant and just is very observant, you know, like either way. Uh, anyway, thank you for taking that little detour with me. Um, that was Good grief. Give me a gif. Wait, did you submit yours? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Uh, All right, they, you got to play it. They, play it again. Ooh, Lead us back into the back up. I'm so sorry. Good grief. Good grief. Give me a gif. Okay, we're talking away. about movies. Uh, 
one of mine was going to be the head popping up in the reeds. Second of mine was going to be one of the very first shots of the movie where the kid and um and Park are staring at each other, and I think it's like almost a match cut to their faces. Uh, and like one of them, Ooh, that's a very Park, good one, Jason. Very it, it that that's not like in a heinous way or anything, but it's just this shot that stuck with me. I remember that shot specifically from the first time I watched it, um, because it is just like again that certain um like discomfort middle space between like this is kind of funny but also very dark they're also like hunching over a dead body uh where park looks very like confused and the kid is like nearly breaking out in a laugh uh and they're just it staring tells at each you other so much about the movie like god what a perfect like this is it so efficiently characterizes what you want to know right Cause like it is funny and it like it undermines Park right away, mm-hmm. but it also makes Park kind of likable in a weird way, and um it it tells you so much information about what you're about to see right in I the know. very first scene. It's very good. Like I said, Dan, we get right into it. We get right into the darkness, into the you know humor. It is a really strong start to the movie, and uh, it felt weird to say like, oh yeah, a minute and forty in. That's my selection for the movie in a two hour ten minute movie. You know, but hey, when you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Uh, well, that, in fact, indeed, I apologize for forgetting myself, you know, Shoemaker's Apprentice or whatever, that, Cobbler's fam, Cobbler's wife, Cobbler's Peaky's Poo Poo. I think it's Pee-pee's the barber poo-poo. who can't cut his own hair, right? Who cuts the barber's hair? The barber's uh, side who piece? watches the, the Watchmen? The barber. Hmm. Good grief. Give me a gift. Thank you so much. Uh, we have one f- actual ultimate final segment, uh, and I'm so, so fucking glad we've cleared the air and hadn't got this back because we've got Cody back with us for another episode of Trilove. Um, but we need to uh, introduce it together, me and Harry. Yeah, Barber's side piece, our final <laughs> segment, right? No, it's the segment that we like to call <gasps> Cody's Noties. On my end, that was Barber's perfectly side? in sync. Nice. I, I, I almost sang Barber's side piece, but I didn't want to ruin the, <laughs> the actual, like, you know, this is our first Noties in a while. We got to do it up. Yeah, we do <laughs> got to do it up. Um, and I appreciate uh, that fellas thank you very much that introduction you should know looked right into my eyes and picked me out as the murderer um, yeah whatever uh, today we're going to be taking a closer so look much. And, uh, today we're going to be taking a closer look at uh, director Uncle Bong's filmography through a little something I like to call Love June Ho um, and not I realized Bong we've love, been Cody. Not I thought about love. it <laughs> thought about it um but i i decided to to skirt that a little bit um though i do realize we've been on a big trivia kick in the latter stages of this year i, I think my creative juices um have slowed a bit need a replenishing going into 2024 but i'm looking forward to continuing to ease the segment into new territory uh, regardless um for for today's purposes one at a time i will read off a trivia inquiry related to bong joon ho's career uh, since there's only two of you um, I'm just going to alternate the first, second order each question. Um, I put this together before getting it locked in that Aaron wouldn't be here. Shout outs to Aaron. We'll, we'll get you next time, big daddy. Um, so just you two, I'll just alternate the order each time. Uh, you know, the drill points will be awarded based on correctness of guess. As always, trivia mafia rules apply. Use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let us go ahead and jump in. Pretty straightforward question to kick us off. We will begin with Song Kang Ho, who is a frequent uh, on-screen collaborator of director Bong's. How tall is Song Kang Ho? And we'll start with Harry. How tall is that beautiful man? I think he's, I'm going to go with 5'11", Cody. Harry is going with 5'11", locking it in. And over to you, Jason. How tall is he? You know, it's weird. I didn't think he was that tall in this movie, but every time I watch Parasite, I'm like, God, that's a 
big son of a bitch. Like he seems very tall in Parasite. Maybe he's just among shorter castmates. Um, so I don't know. I was going to guess 5'11". I'm going to guess 6. The man is 6 feet tall, say I. Gotcha. Uh, lock it in. 6 feet. Should have stuck with that guess because he is allegedly 5 feet 11. 5 feet 11, Song Kang Ho. Um, I know what you mean, though. Uh, jumping, like thinking back to scenes from Parasite. Um, tall son of a bitch is, uh, is a, a phrase that permeated my brain as well. I believe... Five eleven is pretty tall for a Korean man, also. Mm. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess I meant yeah, yeah. All's fair in love and parasites. Next, uh, we are going to hit up. Also, yes, uh, we will hit up parasite for question two. Um, by the way, Harry got the point on that one for those keeping score, uh, which includes at least me. Um, but parasite director Bong's award season darling from uh, I'm going to say a few years ago, even though it's closer to like five uh, at the stop point. please uh, oh god uh, kill me now uh not yet you must suffer first um let's uh you know what let's take on an angle that i feel like we usually don't uh, in the interest of broadening our cinematic horizons so my question for you all is going to be how long did principal photography last for the film parasite again kind of uncharted waters for us um but i'll start with jason for this one principal photography how long did it last um you know days months years you know how, weeks however you want to put that in i'll i'll aggregate it appropriately uh you have said before that you appreciate knowing the context and reasoning so i'm going to spend a little bit of mental math here yeah, yeah talk it out there, there are a lot of locations i mean like maybe not a lot but there are distinct locations and a lot of really, really intentional cinematography here in Parasite. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it took. I'm going to say it took one month. I don't know where all those locations are, mm-hmm. but it's not like yeah. a super CGI heavy movie. So, like, I'm assuming that the principal photography was a lot of that. Anyway, we're we're going to mm-hmm. go ahead and say one month. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Got you down for one month. Um, thank, you, thank you for talking that through. Uh, invitation to Harry now to talk through any thought process he might have. Going sure. This question. Well, first it. of all, I was going to say I, I was definitely going to, I thought, lowball because I remember that Parasite was kind of a modest film in terms of budget, in terms of shooting. Bong Joon-ho has constantly expressed surprise that this was his big breakthrough. Um, I, that being said, I was still going to go with like three months. One month sounds like an insanely short amount of time to shoot a movie. Um, the man's efficient. I'm going to go two months because I'm a uh, mercenary about getting my points. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. All's fair in love and, uh, noties. South uh, Korea. Also, yes. A principal <laughs> photography. This motherfucker <laughs> shot it in 10 days. It's <laughs> <laughs> phot- photography lasted almost exactly. Wow. 26 hours. No, um, four months, four months was Whoa. principal photography. For parasites, um, dude, movies are so hard to make. Yeah, this is like yeah. this is it's like being on an episode crazy. with Aaron. It's unbelievable how bad I'm going to be at this. <laughs> well, let's see, t- today today is a data point. This game is a drop in the bucket uh, for y'all to refine your skills, uh, our collective ability to understand films and filmmaking going forward. It's all for the betterment uh, of everyone. Um, perhaps not for those listening to this episode. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully they're getting something out of this as well. Um, but Harry is is currently two for two. Um, Jason yet to get on the board. Got three questions left. Still extremely verily anybody's game. And I'll leave it at that. Our third question deals with the film Snowpiercer which co-stars Tilda Swinton as Minister Mason. Uh, Swinton has stated that her character is meant to be a mix 
of a number of different prominent figures in history, uh, or from history rather. Um, my question to you, which of the following individuals was not mentioned as an influence? I'm going to list three options. If you have not seen Snowpiercer, a bummer, <laughs> but, um, it's a Tilda uh, Swinton character. So you have a pretty good idea of what we're talking about anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just like use that kind of shoot from the hip, get an image in your head. Chances are you're not far off. Um, but all this three figures from history, you're, you're again, your objective will be to figure out which one Tilda Swinton did not mention as an influence in playing her character Mason from Snowpiercer. And so, uh, option a, we have Colonel, uh, excuse me, Colonel Gaddafi option B Benito Mussolini option C Margaret Thatcher. So which of those did Swinton not cite as an influence in portraying her Snowpiercer character? And then we'll swap over to Harry going first for this one. So Harry, what do you think? Yeah, first of all, shout out to Tilda Swinton, who like quietly keeps working with the best directors today. I mean, like Apatrot mm-hmm. Wong, we wrestled how cool used her in Memoria. She's also in his next movie. Yeah. She's been in a couple of Bong Joon-ho movies. She's like a Wes Anderson person i she's all over the place which rules yeah. because she's so good oh she was in uh the killer david fincher's movie this year mm-hmm. she's also i think the best Joanna part Hot of that movies. movie maybe <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh she's she's really good in it um i'm gonna go with um man could you repeat the question <laughs> i got yes. i got started thinking about tilda swinton i just forgot all about just it got a little hot under the collar <laughs> i yeah i uh, guess Tilda Swinton's character. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going with Gaddafi. Yep. Sorry. Gaddafi. Omar Gaddafi. Yep. Yep. All right. Gaddafi. Um, so whichever one was not an influence, I'll just... Yep. So uh, got, uh, got Gaddafi marked down for you. And over to Jason. Who Who's tickling your fancy? Are you going to match up with Harry or are you going to cover not the entirety of the spread, but a little more of the spread. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cover a little bit more of the spread. I'm going to say Mussolini. I feel like we'll both look really, really, really foolish if it's Thatcher, because it's, it seems very, very obvious. I just, but, I just really want her to have said that about Margaret Thatcher right, because it's, right. because it's based. So and that's why I'm, that's why I'm very happy to like, if we both look very silly, it's good. If, if we like one of us looks very silly, yeah, that's, that seems unfair. Uh, so I'm going yeah. with uh, Benito Mussolini being one of the inspirations for her character in Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer. Or Benito M- Mussolini is not, not being? Yes, yes, sorry. Got it. Not yeah, being. No worries. I, to be fair, I think I worded the question a little confusingly. Um, but Jason was right on this one. Uh, Mussolini Yay. was not cited as a direct influence. I, to, damn it. Go ahead, I go wondered, ahead. you know, because like Gaddafi is like just more specific just enough yeah, that it's like she, oh and yeah. she's pretty cool so i thought maybe she's like being that cool about it but that yeah yeah okay i i will say she listed in the excerpt i found she listed four names um so gaddafi and thatcher plus adolf hitler and silvio berlusconi um, oh i know hopefully i said that correctly but yeah um, indeed silvio yeah, berlusconi famously i think he was wasn't he the pm who said like uh, I identify with lesbians because I also love women or whatever. Like he had some really problematically Chad quotes during his <laughs> ministry. <laughs> was, we should look him up sometime. I don't know if that's true, but if you said, Hey, which the prime minister of which country said this, I think I would have nailed it in one. <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah. yeah, the Italian prime minister definitely <laughs> said that shit. 
problematically chad welcome back to our podcast um jason got the point for that question uh we'll dive into number four Uh, and speaking of influences director bong has cited guillermo del toro as a big influence for his work um when he was eight years old i'll say del toro began experimenting in super eight camera filmmaking one notable short film of guillermo del toro's featured a serial killer thing that vowed to take over the world my question for you folks is which one of the following three things starred in this del toro short film so is it about a a serial killer banana b a serial killer potato or c a serial killer tomato those are your options so what was the starring serial killer thing of this del toro super eight short um and i'll ping pong back to to jason to start this one off jason what do you think this is for what it was a what it killer. was okay. what it was yeah. um it seems like a tomato guy to me i'm gonna say a tomato All right marking down tomato and over to harry um same idea you're gonna align with jason or cover a wee bit more of the spread i was really hoping that you would have been like uh was it a serial killer rabbit a serial killer horse or a serial killer six-headed demon creature with <laughs> eyes for hands and i i would have been able to get it right away if that had been the case but uh i also understand for whatever reason tomato was my first guess too but i'm going to cover the spread and go with banana all right banana says harry the actual retail price of this serial killer thing was potato the potato was featured in this particular del toro Whoa. short well that's anti-irish discrimination win again mr um, del toro i don't disagree um, take that up with the big man himself. Um, I'll leave that in Del Toro's hands. Uh, but we've got we've got a game to finish. Uh, the current score is two to one in Harry's favor as we uh, jump into our final question. And for this one, I'm going to ask uh, y'all. I'm first. I'm going to list four director Bong films. What I'm going to ask each of y'all to do is rank them in order of highest to lowest. Um, so descending order, Metacritic score. Um, we're sticking with Metacritic. I don't know why. Um, it's numerical and it's easy for me <laughs> um, to to quantify. Um, so I'll list the four films and then do the rest of the, the spiel. So the four films you'll be ranking are 2003's Memories of Murder, 2013's Snowpiercer, 2017's Okja, and 2019's Parasite. So those are the four films you're ranking in the order of highest Metacritic score, to lowest Metacritic score. And for those listening who aren't sure how this works, um, or whatever the case might be, uh, need a refresher. If they get the order perfectly correct with the rankings, they will get four points because there are four total films in the mix. If two of the films are, are ranked in the correct places, they will get two points and so on and so forth. Any number of permutations you can think of. Uh, once again, highest to lowest Metacritic score. The films, again, are Memories of Murder, Snowpiercer, Okja, and parasite um and just you know jumping back to the original order we led with uh, i think that brings us back to harry for going first harry did i vamp long enough are you yeah. good to go thank okay, you go for um it. highest to lowest i'm gonna go parasite memories okja snowpiercer gotcha gotcha okay i am going to go ahead and read those back to make sure i heard them correctly and recorded them correctly so i've got your order as Parasite, Memories of Murder, Okja, and Snowpiercer. Does that track? That is correct, Cody. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. And looking over at Jason, 
uh, on this webcam here. I see Jason. It looks like he's got an order. Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I accurate on that front, Mr. Eyebrows? You're correct man? that I've got an order. Order Go up. crazy then. Order up. Ding, ding. Uh, the first two are, ident- are identical to Harry's choices. Number one, I'm going to say Snow, excuse me, Parasite. Number two, I'm going to say Memories of Murder. Uh, number three, I'm going to say Snowpiercer. And then I'm going to say that Okja comes in at number four. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to read those back. So I've got for you Parasite, Memories of Murder, Snowpiercer, and Okja. You are correct. And I hope I am. Yeah. Hey, is that going to be the case? We'll find out in a few seconds. But before we get there, I'll say thank you, uh, fellas. And for those listening, this has been Love June Ho. I will now read the uh, correct ranked order of these films. Highest to lowest Metacritic score for some of uh, Bong Joon-ho's finest films. Coming in hot with 96 is Parasite. Uh, So Parasite is up first. Coming in behind it... uh, Oh yeah, I should. I, I got to pause for these. That's right. Um, Sorry, that's longer com- than louder than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's it's worth it. It's you, ding ding. Uh, coming in behind it with an eighty-four, Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, well shit, eighty-four. Uh, just what the behind fuck? it. Fuck. Wait, what? Ju- okay, sorry. Ju- go ahead. Just behind it with eighty-two, Memories of Murder, and coming <sighs> in. Uh, the caboose of the train 75 okja uh so if i'm hey guys uh <laughs> memories of murder is a much better movie than snowpiercer is i know oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have a um, metric that explains that yeah no you're right i don't theater? so i'm wrong clearly <laughs> um the uh, preceding one hour 31 minutes of this episode <laughs> maybe you've heard of them uh so for those um, keeping track who but maybe got uh, lost in the read field uh, on the way there, Harry came into the final question with two points. He got uh, Parasite correct um, and none of the rest, which puts him at three points for the game. Uh, Jason, excuse me, came into the final round with one point. He got Parasite and Okja's slotting correct, uh, which leaves him with three. So for the first time, and I feel like kind of a, a while, we've got a, a, yeah. a POP, a pop-off platform that needs to be shared with multiple fellas. So all you two have at it. Oh, you don't want to, there's no tiebreaker you want to put together real quick, Cody? Put you on the spot? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of a tie. Do you, do you not want to share? No, ties are great. No, ties are great. Uh, yeah, because I, as I always, know. I'll say what I'll say what I always say, which is as long as Aaron didn't win. Uh, <laughs> ding, you know? ding, ding. So <laughs> uh, I don't have it. the let's fucking go sound effect anymore, but uh, <laughs> that I should. <laughs> yeah, we should. It's uh, it unfortunately is way too loud, <laughs> but it, it is. You uh, can imagine it. It is truly an honor to share uh, the pop up platform with my co host Harry, uh, and to keep it once more out of the hands of the uh, evil horde Aaron Grossman. Um, as long as he didn't get it, you know, like I feel like the, the evil ab- whore Aaron Grossman. <laughs> in the absence, yes, of, indeed, folks. In the absence of the guy who almost like unilaterally and always wins these things, getting it, I feel like. You don't need to. You don't need to say that part. No, you don't need to say that part. That's not true. One of us to win it. I think uh, over over like we are we are of the same you know class and I don't agree with this Uh, either. Wait a minute. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to. (laughs) This is not. This pop up platform has gone (laughs) in a direction I don't appreciate. I'm actually in league with Aaron. We must kill Aaron Grossman. (laughs) It's like okay, guys, wrap it up. (laughs) Take your time. 
Uh, no, I'm going to wrap it up with a thank you so much, Cody, for ending our episodes as always with a wonderful game that keeps us uh, feeling enlightened uh, and breezy after such a fucking dark, dank ass movie. Uh, glad, really glad to have you back. Um, really glad that you're still listening here. Listener, check us out uh, on more movies that you've probably seen. 260, I want to say 258, I think this one will be. So check it out. Uh, you can also check out this movie itself at the Trilon. I would highly recommend that. Uh, I want to say, actually, it's between the Trilon and the heights i forget which one this is playing at but hey both are decent decent theaters one is actually very good the other is just decent uh check it out at trilon.org where you can find the whole slate of showings from december 2023 all the way through february uh, 2024 it is the 15th film noir festival focusing on neo-noir you got a lot of shit there maybe you'll end up uh here seeing a couple of them cross and come across this feed but until then uh, expect an off week because of christmas and shit uh and then we'll be back with the berries keep listening uh thank you so much guys for uh, joining for another episode uh find me on twitter whenever you can and wherever you want to at uh, nintendoofus that is a fact um and following that up with i because i can't remember if we said it explicitly i meant to note this up top but um then we started talking about uh, a really great movie and i i lost the thread um but yeah i think we, we're covering this like pretty out of order um, yeah it uh it, it doesn't even play this year which i just the, noticed it, it premieres right. on the seventh at the trilon mm-hmm. yeah so due to a mix of um like tough programming scheduling logistics in the month of december like you probably i mean i missed a couple um like well a lot of us are, are kind of sporadically missing these um but then also the fact that you know not all of us can maybe make some of the movie screenings or uh, and or rather because i know this is also for sure a thing but the fact that there are movies playing during this you know this current month's this december slate that we've already covered um and so it kind of became a matter of like well what's what's the shit that we want to cover for sure like let's lock those in and then like we'll we'll get to as much as we can um but i think just like the culmination of those things led to us recording some of these out of order um which i don't yeah and none of us really were complaining about the fact that we got to talk about memories of murder a little sooner than we would have otherwise so that is the reason for it it's kind of weird um but uh hey that is what makes the world go round i I have no rationale for that um but that is why uh we're doing this in the order that we are um next week is barry's right so that will be a normal time week after next we've Uh, got a bye week uh, do we no i think we're were we not are we are we recording it on the 31st next week and turning after this episode publishes oh yeah never mind what i just said listen to cody as usual no I, as I said before we started recording, time is a round circle. With that, I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH and or Blue Sky at Cody Narvison. Thank you. Listen, you can tell him the real reason why. We recorded these out of order because there was no way I was going to let either Tim Popo or Memories of Murder get Paris, Texas. The way that <laughs> yeah. Paris, True. Texas got Paris, Texas so badly uh, a couple berries ago. Fucking not happening. Like, we're going to... These are contenders, and they will be treated as such. Uh, you can find and argue with me on Twitter at PunishedTake. I've been hearing me. Good night. And if you feel that way, go see a shaman. <laughs> <laughs>